All right. Well, good morning. I'm so glad that you were able to get here this morning in spite of the rain. And we are looking for a wonderful service this morning as we gather together and worship. This is a very special day for us because we have the Pettit team with us, and they'll be with us all morning. So we'll have a wonderful time during our worship hour with uh, the team, and they'll be doing a number of musical specials for us. And then, of course, Dr. Steve Pettit will be preaching. So I'm looking forward to having them with us. And then right after our morning hour, we'll take a little break. And uh, we have donuts and coffee. And I think we might even have some hot chocolate somewhere. And uh, you are welcome to partake. And then after about 10 or 15 minutes, we're going to enjoy a full concert. So... I hope you plan to spend your morning with us. We've been looking to this and praying for this and asking the Lord's blessing on this. If you are a guest this morning, we are so glad that you're here. And uh, thank you for coming. We have been asking God to give us a good day, and part of that was you coming. So thank you for coming. I know many of you, uh, if this is your first time, uh, you may wonder, well, what in the world are we in store for? You're in store for some great singing and uh, just a wonderful, uh, simple message from God's Word about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, as we come into the Christmas season. If you are a guest, <clears throat> there is a little card at the, on the back of the chair in front of you. I'd like to ask you to take that sometime during our service and just fill it out. If you want more information about our church, if you'd like to get more updates about events like this that we have from time to time, we want to make sure that you're on our contact list so that we can get this information to you. And if you'll take that card and just drop it by one of the two welcome tables at either end of the back of our auditorium this morning, uh, we have a nice gift we'd like to give you on the way out. So uh, please take time to do that. <clears throat> this morning, our children are already up in their children's hour. So if you are here and your children are in the service, as I pray in just a minute, uh, you can dismiss your children and take them right on up to the children's hour, and uh, we'll, we'll, uh, they're up there already, so we want your, uh, your child to make sure not to miss that. As we open our service, I want to read a text of Scripture out of the book of Isaiah, chapter 40. Isaiah was written some 800 years before the birth of Jesus. And one of the interesting things about the book of Isaiah is it speaks so much about the Lord Jesus Christ and about his ministry. And many times in the Gospels, the writers of the Gospels are going to say things about Jesus that come right out of a book that was written 800 years before he even arrived. And so that brings up a question, how in the world did Isaiah know? How in the world could Isaiah know with such specificity 800 years earlier things that were going to happen about the person who we all came to worship today, the Lord Jesus Christ? And the answer is the Holy Spirit told him, and he wrote it down. And so one of the things that he wrote down is the verse that we are going to read together this morning. So let's read this together. And I will pray, and then we will have the Pettit team come. Go up on a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. And really, the gospel is good news. That's what the word gospel means. So Isaiah is told about some good news. Lift up your voice with strength. 
O Jerusalem, herald of good news, lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, behold your God. And that's what we want to do today. We want to find out more about our God. We want to behold him in his beauty. We want to behold him in his majesty. And we want to understand and rejoice in his saving power. Lord, we come to you this morning and we do lift our voice to you. We are so thankful that many, many centuries ago, you inspired Isaiah to write these words. And we have heard the good news. We have understood it. We have embraced it. That good news about your son, Jesus Christ, who came 2,000 years ago, born of a virgin, laid in a manger, living a perfect life, dying a death he didn't deserve so that we could have forgiveness of sins and eternal life. No wonder you told Isaiah to go to the mountains and declare the good news. No wonder you told Jerusalem to shout when they heard the news. And Lord, as we hear the news again this morning, perhaps that news will be good for us in very, very personal ways. Lord, as you have come to deliver us from our sins, I pray that you would help us to understand the simplicity of the gospel this morning. And if there are those here that you are, are designing by your good hand to bring into a relationship with your son, I pray that uh, your spirit would have that freedom. Lord, you have delivered us from our sin. You are delivering us from our sins. And Lord, we thank you for this good news and we lift our voice to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to start the service by singing together. Would you stand with us? And we're going to sing a couple of songs. To echo what Pastor Sam said, there was a songwriter once. He wrote the song, Is He Worthy? His name is Andrew Peterson. He wasn't saved his whole growing up. And one day he realized that he needed to become a Christian. In an interview, he was asked, what took so long? Why did you become a Christian then? He said, well, I figured out. I realized it was better news than I thought it was. This morning, we want to extol Jesus Christ. We want to sing of In Christ Alone. It's a familiar song, hopefully not one so familiar that we lose sight of just how good the news is of what we have in Christ alone. Let's sing it out together. <laughs>
This next song is another one we're familiar with, the Christmas song, again, telling of the good news that we've all heard and come to hear this morning. Let's sing Hark the Herald Angels Sing. Born to give them second birth. 
Good morning. It is a wonderful blessing and joy and delight for us to be here and worship together the Lord here at Palmetto Baptist Church. And so we're so thankful to be here. This is our group that travels together. And I'll introduce them in the second half of the morning uh, during our concert. I do hope you'll stay. Uh, It is a live concert. I figured that if Taylor Swift can fill a football stadium, we should be able to fill a church. Amen? And so I hope you'll stay and enjoy the live Christmas music this morning uh, after the service. We'd like to begin this morning with the grand old hymn, All Hail the Power of Jesus' Name. like to do a song that comes really straight out of the Psalms. David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd, and then from that he explained what that meant. And the first statement he said when the Lord was his guide and his guard, his provider, his protector, the one who fed him, the one who led him, the first thing he said was, I shall not want. And one of the evident signs of a true believer is a growing contentment in life with the Lord himself. So we'd like to do the song entitled, I Shall Not Want.
From a fear of death or trial, from a fear of humility, deliver me, oh God, deliver me, oh God, and I shall. What a precious reminder as we celebrate a Smoky Mountain Christmas concert this morning of why we're really here. The Lord really is our good shepherd, isn't he? And uh, I have found that to be true in new and personal ways over the last number of months. And so have many of you. It's been a wonderful thing 
coming to worship as a congregant, just coming to be a part of what we do every Sunday and sitting alongside you and listening to the word of God and singing the words of the hymns that we sing every week. It has been such an encouragement and such a blessing, and today is that for me, and I hope it is for you as well. I'm so glad that you're here. For many of you that just came in, you came in during uh, maybe one of the hymns we were singing. I just want to say thank you for coming. We are so glad you're here. And as I said at the very start of our service, there is a card in the back of the chair in front of you. And if you'll just take a minute to take that card and fill it out and drop it by one of our guest tables on your way out, that'll give us an opportunity to uh, communicate with you and let you know of more events like this that we do from time to time. And we do have a nice gift we'd like you to take with you just as a way to say thank you for being a part of us here this morning. We've been listening and singing and uh, participating together in the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, God's Son. And that's really the theme of our, our time together this morning. It'll be our theme this morning, and you'll pick that theme up all through our service and then as we go into our, our concert hour, uh, which I hope, as uh, Dr. Pettit said, that you'll stay for uh, I think you'll pick that theme up, and it is one of the most encouraging themes in the New Testament. I want to read a text of Scripture uh, before we take time to pray together out of the Gospel of Matthew chapter 12. Remember I told you as we read our opening text out of Isaiah that 800 years before Matthew wrote, God inspired Isaiah to, wrote words, uh, to write words about someone who was coming, and he sent him to a mountain to announce that good news. And 800 years later, the person about whom that good news was all about arrived. And when he showed up, instead of rejoicing, the city of Jerusalem rejected. And so as Jesus was experiencing that rejection, as he was experiencing the questions that came up about him, maybe you've experienced rejection in your life. Maybe you know the pain of somebody questioning who you are and why you're there and the motives that you have. Maybe you know the taste of what Jesus experienced as he walked among his own. John said he came to his own, but his own received him not. And maybe you felt what that rejection feels like in your life. Maybe you've come this morning and you've come with a heart of joy and we're happy for you, but some of you've come with a heavy heart. Some of you've come and life has maybe handed you something that you never anticipated or you never expected. And you've come with a heavy heart this morning. Some of you've come longing for hope. And so as we come to our text this morning, I want you to listen to what Matthew says here in Matthew chapter 12. Behold my servant whom I have chosen. My beloved with whom my soul is well pleased. God the Father through the prophet Isaiah is saying, when you look at Jesus and you listen to what everybody else has to say about him, I want you to know what I think about him. And in our world today, there are many people who would look at Jesus and say, wow, what a great teacher he was. Or what a miracle worker he was. Or many other things. Or sometimes they might even... Uh, mock the idea of Jesus being the Son of God, but God announces here in this text how he feels about Jesus. I am well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. 
Maybe you're here this morning and you are hungry for that. He will not quarrel or cry aloud, nor will anyone hear his voice in the streets. In other words, he didn't come to start a revolution. He didn't come to overthrow things. A bruised reed he will not break. A smoldering wick he will not quench until he brings justice to victory. And in his name, the Gentiles will have hope. And that's what I found in the Lord Jesus Christ many years ago when as a young teenager, I began looking for answers, and I couldn't find those answers, and I found them in the Lord Jesus Christ. And for many, many years now, I have put my hope in him. And you're sitting in a room full of people this morning that have done the very same thing at different stages in their life, and maybe this morning as you're here and your heart is hungry for hope, you'll find that hope in the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. We're so thankful for the ministries that God allows us to pray for. And uh, we're going to pray this morning for Frontline Missions. So thankful for Dr. Tim Kazee and his wife Debbie and for Bert Arrowood, who's the chairman of the board of that mission agency. And then for Paul and Deanna Miller, who have for many years led Christian Discipleship International. We're so grateful for the work that God has done through them. And then for our deaf ministry here, uh, they had their annual Christmas celebration yesterday. I'm so thankful the Lord has raised up that ministry here at Palmetto uh, Baptist Church. And we're thankful for Pastor Rusty. And we just want to give thanks to the Lord this morning for him. Would you join me? And then we'll continue our service this morning. Father, we are thankful that you sent us hope in the Lord Jesus Christ. We're thankful that when he came, you announced how you felt about him, that you were well pleased. Lord, we're thankful that he came not to overthrow governments or to create revolution, but to deliver us from our sins and to give us hope. Lord, our hearts long for justice. Our hearts yearn for mercy. Our hearts desire forgiveness. We need hope. And you sent that hope in the form of your son, Jesus Christ, who has become our Lord and Savior. For those of us who have come and put our faith and trust in him with simple and, and sincere hope that we would put our confidence in the work that he did for us on the cross. Lord, I'm thankful for Frontline Missions. I'm thankful for Christian Discipleship International, these two ministries that are announcing that hope in hard places and are framing up people who can take that hope around the world. We're thankful for Pastor Rusty and the Deaf Ministry announcing that hope to people who can't hear it with the ears that uh, you have given them physically, but who have heard it with the spiritual ear that you have opened for them. And we're thankful that we have a small part in all of these ministries. Lord, we're thankful for Dr. Pettit and for the team. We ask that you would bless them abundantly. What a privilege to hear and to be a part of what you're doing this morning. And I pray that your spirit would have freedom this morning in all of our hearts, my own included. Lord, as we sing, would you deliver us from all that afflicts us as we celebrate uh, in song the truth of your word. And then as we sit under the preaching, I pray that your word would go forth with power today that it would accomplish what you send it out to do in each of our lives. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.
like to do one more song before the message today from God's Word, and uh, I'm sure all of you here have particular hymns that not only do you enjoy and love, but they're songs that at certain points in your life have spoken to you in a great way, and uh, this hymn was one that for me as a young Christian, God greatly used in my life because it's very simple but very profound that God has provided for us through the sacrifice of his son and the blood that he shed, complete forgiveness of sins. We'd like to do the beautiful hymn, There is a Fountain Filled with Love. 
Till I die. 
All right, thank you very much. Well, as we are going to look in God's Word this morning, I have a number of thoughts I'd like to say today before we look at God's Word. Uh, first of all, I just want to say uh, thanksgiving to the Lord for uh, God's bringing your pastor uh, through his most recent surgery. And, uh, of course, we have prayed for your pastor, who's one of my closest friends, uh, for quite some time. <clears throat> and the Lord has taken him through some valleys. Uh, and God always does that for lots of reasons. Uh, one is that it doesn't work in us. And then, two, it always doesn't work through us. And so I appreciate Sam and Beth's faithfulness to the Lord, but not just faithfulness, but the fervency that has come out of them through the trials that they've gone through. And I want to give thanks to the Lord for their example this morning. And I know that you will continue to pray for him. In the back here of the building, there's a table that we have set up. We'd love for you to stop by and look over some of the things. The first thing is we'd love for you to take a prayer card and pray for us. Uh, as we are traveling in our journeys, we are... We are an evangelistic ministry. That really is the passion and heartbeat. And we're doing multiple services, events, concerts, and conferences, a lot of variety. And so please pray for us that God's hand of blessing and power will be upon us. We also have there on the table eight different books that I wrote over the last 10 years that were written primarily, primarily to help people grow in discipleship. And it's used for Bible studies, for discipleship groups and Sunday school classes. Numbers of books that are there on the table if you're interested. Uh, probably the two most popular are the one here called Walking in the Spirit, a study from the book of Galatians, and then this one called uh, Encountering God, a study in the book of Psalms. And then also, and I'll say more about him, but uh, for these Christmas concerts that we're doing, we're, we've done about, we'll end up doing about seven of them after today. Uh, we have with us Dr. Ken Renfro, and I'll introduce him more officially so that you can clap and cheer for him at an appropriate time. Uh, but he does have a Christmas CD uh, on the table if you're interested. It's called A Merry Little Christmas, and it's the best deal in town. It's $5 if you're interested. So stop by and look those over if you still use CDs. So please do that this morning. I'd like us to read today from the, book of, from the book of Matthew, and I want to read the the what we would call the announcement of God to a young girl named Mary that she is going to give birth to a child. And so this morning I'd like to speak about that birth of Jesus since this is our holiday season. Christmas, of course, is a wonderful time. In some ways, it's a cultural thing in the United States that we make a big deal about it. And of course, there's a lot of commercialization along with that. There's a lot of festivity and celebration. But I think it's a wonderful thing that we can celebrate the Lord and focus our attention on Him <clears throat> and the work that He's done uh, as He came into this world. And so we're going to look at that this morning, Matthew chapter 1. <clears throat> and I'd like to begin reading in verse 18, Matthew 1 and verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, 
Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you and praise you and bless your name for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ for his miraculous conception, for his perfect and sinless life, for his sacrificial death and his glorious resurrection from the grave. And thank you that in Christ alone that we have the hope of everlasting life. Oh Lord, please do what you have promised to do, to bless your word. You have said that it is through the foolishness of preaching that people come to faith. And so, Lord, we ask that you will fulfill your plan that you establish before the foundation of the world to call a people unto yourself. And for that we pray in this place this morning by the power of the Spirit of God that brought Jesus Christ into this world. We pray this in his most wonderful and matchless name. Amen. Who would have ever thought that the foundation of the Christian faith would be based on the birth of a baby boy to a poor mother in a small town? Yet, that is the truth. For Jesus Christ, God's Son, was born to the Virgin Mary in a little town called Bethlehem. But may I say this morning, this was no ordinary birth, and this was no ordinary mother, and this was surely no ordinary son. So what happened in the birth of Jesus? Well, we read it this morning from Matthew's Gospel, where he describes it in this way in verse 18. He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is how it happened. A man named Joseph was engaged to a virgin girl named Mary, probably 
in her later teen years. And it was discovered through this engagement, and the scriptural term is the word betrothal. And a betrothal to, uh, in Jewish culture is different than American culture. Uh, here, America, Americans, we get engaged, and that means that there is a commitment to being married. It's kind of like, yes, we're planning on getting married, and of course, we all know something could happen. But in the Jewish world and culture, a betrothal was actually like getting married. That was the level of commitment. The only difference was that the girl lived with her parents until the day came that they had the wedding celebration. So we could say it this way, it was more than an engagement. So Joseph is betrothed to Mary. Well, it is discovered through during this betrothal period that Mary is with, with child. She's pregnant. And it is quite clear that Joseph isn't the father. So what was he going to do? He was going to quietly break off the engagement because he did not want to shame her but his plan was to put her away until the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and he explained to him what was going on. Like most men, he was clueless. And so, well, please laugh, folks. They're not going to get any funnier. Uh, so what happened? What was going on? And that's what I want us to look at this morning. Four things. Number one, that when Jesus was born, this birth, and I want to make it very clear, was truly a miracle. When explained to Joseph, the angel spoke in miraculous terms. We read it here in Matthew where he writes, where, where Matthew writes and says, Joseph, the angel spoke and said, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. That is that this conception cannot be explained in human terms. By the way, what is a biblical miracle? Oftentimes when we pray and God answers our prayer, we will say something like this, it was a miracle. Well, I don't want to burst your bubble, but it wasn't a miracle. What it was, was the providential hand of God working in your life through the circumstances in which we lived. Yes, God heard your prayer. Yes, God answered your prayer. And yes, it was a blessing from the Lord, but it wasn't a miracle. For what is a miracle? A miracle, excuse me, a miracle is when God sets aside what we call natural ways of working. God sets aside the natural and he does something that you can only explain in a supernatural way. The birth of Jesus was not natural with a father and mother. It was a supernatural conception. 
in Luke's gospel, the angel Gabriel appears to Mary. So think about this. An angel appeared to Joseph, and then Gabriel appears to Mary and tells her that she's going to have a baby. Listen to what the angel says in Luke's gospel. He said, And behold, to Mary, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Well, Mary asks the appropriate question. She says, how will this be since I am a virgin? How is this going to happen? And Luke answers and says, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Like a shadow passing over you, there will come a move of God within your womb so that you will have a child that is conceived by the supernatural power of God. So what do we see? We see that the conception of Jesus is truly a miracle. It was by God's supernatural power beyond the natural. And I would like to say this morning that nothing like this has ever happened in human history before or since. It was unique to the person of Jesus. No world religious leader can ever claim that he was conceived with a virgin mother. Muhammad had a father and a mother. Buddha had a father and a mother. Confucius had a father and a mother. But Jesus Christ was conceived by God in the womb of a virgin. And I want us to understand that this was a clear miracle of God when God became a man. That leads me to the second thing I'd like to say about this birth of Jesus and what happened, that not only was this truly a miracle, but this is truly a mystery. Here is what the angel said to Joseph. Mary will bear a son, and all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now let me just explain this if I can. The angel is pointing back to what God had promised through the prophet Isaiah. If you know your Bible, you know this. There are 66 books in the Bible. 39 of them are in the Old Testament. 27 are in the New Testament. There is a section in the Old Testament which we call the prophets, major and minor prophets. What is a prophet? A prophet is one who receives a message from God and then they go out and tell the message to the people. Sometimes a prophet is what we would say forth telling the truth. He is speaking to the people from God and for God to the people about their sins. So it is a direct message from God to the people of that day. But oftentimes the prophet is not just forth telling, but he is foretelling the future. He is saying what is going to happen in the future. And prophecy is important, ladies and gentlemen, because it is validating the truth of God that God has spoken to the world and he has spoken through the Jewish people. 
And so we have great prophets in the Bible like Jeremiah, Daniel, Zechariah, Micah, Hosea, and so forth. But perhaps the greatest of all prophets was Isaiah. And in Isaiah's prophecy of 66 chapters, there are multiple prophecies about Jesus Christ. And in Isaiah chapter 7, in verse 14, Isaiah speaks and he says these words, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. That is, a virgin will bring forth a child and his name Emmanuel. So we fast forward, as Pastor Sam said it this morning, 800 years and an angel appears to the Virgin Mary and says that the prophecy of Isaiah is going to be fulfilled in you and through you. However, Matthew adds something that Isaiah did not. And that is, a virgin shall conceive and bring forth a child, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, and then there's a parenthesis in the English. It says, which means, which being interpreted means God with us. Now, in one way, Matthew didn't have to say that to a Jewish person because a Jewish person knew what Emmanuel meant because El always means God. Iman or Iman means with or with us, God with us. So the interpretation was not necessarily just for the Jew, but it was also for the rest of the world. To understand the miracle of the birth of the baby Jesus, and that is this, that God became a man. And truly, this is a great mystery. Paul writes in 1 Timothy 3.16, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. What happened when Jesus was born? God was embodied in a human form. God, the creator of the universe, took on himself skin and flesh and bones and blood. God became one of us. The infinite became an infant. God and man were fully united in one person, God with us. God became a human being. You say, preacher, how do you explain it? I can't explain it. It's a mystery. It's a great one. Yet nonetheless, it is the truth. God with us. And by the, by the way, that word with us is not merely that he was among us, but it is far more than that. It means that he was bound to us. He was connected to us. He was united to us. He is bone of our bone. He is flesh 
of our flesh, 100% human, just like you and I, but not separated from us, but literally with us, united to us. Everything that made up a human body, mind, heart, soul, memory, imagination, judgment, everything that makes up a human being, Jesus was, with one exception, he had no sin nature. But what is important, folks, is he became one of us. And why? Because it is through Jesus that God is making it possible that you and I can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You see, we, we may believe in the existence of God, but we don't know God. How can you know God? How can you know the one who is infinite and almighty and all-powerful and all-knowing, who is a spirit that you cannot see, one who you cannot touch? How can you come to know the great God of the, of, of the universe? God made a decision to do it this way, that he would become one of us so that we could literally into, enter into a relationship with him. And this is a great mystery, not one that we can fully grasp and comprehend. But may I say to you this morning, if you cannot rise up to understand, you can always bow down to worship. If you have a God that you can figure out, you don't have a God. For God has revealed himself in a way that we can understand, but still it's a great mystery. So the birth of Jesus was truly a miracle. The birth of Jesus is truly a mystery. But let me say thirdly that the birth of Jesus was truly majestic. When you think of the word majesty, you think of the word dignity, beauty, stateliness, royal power. The closest thing that we can get to that is probably the king and queen of England. And that's questionable. But with this majesty was also something that is majestic when we grasp it, and that is also humility. And what do we see in the birth of Jesus? We see the divine embodying the human. The creator of all things, assuming the nature of his creation. The power of the Almighty linking up with the weakness of humanity. Think about this. The Bible says the heavens cannot contain God as a dwelling place. The heavens, the expanse of the universe is too small for God. And if that is true, then how can God come to dwell in one human body? Yet Paul writes, for in Jesus dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The birth of Jesus was truly majestic. And yet God chose to be born in a manger among animals in a small village with a virgin mother who for the rest of her life was questioned whether or not the birth of Jesus was actually immoral. 
And yet God chose to link the two together, majesty and humility, to show us who he is, but also to show us who we are. For what kind of value does this place on mankind for God to become one of us? We all understand to a degree the value of human beings and yet we all have a tendency to devalue ourselves. And I don't mean that in a psychological way. I mean that in understanding the fact that God became a human being for me. He came into this world for you. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. And you are a part of that world. And God sent his son into this world so that you could enter into a relationship with him. God with us. This is true majesty. He became a man that he might bring us to God. Do you see that this morning? Do you comprehend that? That this was for you that he came into this world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He sent his son to be the savior of the world. And that leads me to my last point this morning. And that is when we consider the birth of Jesus, it was not just a mystery and a miracle. And it wasn't just majesty. But for all of us, the birth of Jesus is truly mercy. If God came to be with us, then it means something good for us. My wife and I have four children. Most importantly, we have five grandchildren. Grandchildren are God's rewards for having to raise your children. All five of our grandchildren live in Salt Lake City, Utah. We have one girl and four boys. One princess and four Vikings. <laughs> and every time grandma and grandpa show up, Every single time, the grandchildren rush to the door to see their grandmother. <laughs> Do you know why? Because when she arrives, she always consistently brings something good for them. The arrival of grandmother is something good. And that something good is what I paid for. The arrival, folks, please grasp it, this. The arrival of Jesus into this world is something good for you, sir, and for you, ma'am. You say, preacher, what is that? Listen to what the angel said to Joseph. Mary, your wife, will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save 
his people from their sins. Jesus did not come into the world to condemn the world. But the world through him might be saved. What is that good thing? Jesus came to be your savior from your sins. That is truly mercy. Because mercy is not needed when you are good. Mercy is needed when you are bad. How many of you have ever been stopped while driving your automobile by a police officer? Be honest, please. Raise your hand. Hold it up, all right? Lots of you. Now, let me ask you a question. Whenever you're stopped, generally it's because you have violated a law. And the worst thing you can do to a police officer is make an excuse. Because when you make an excuse, you're saying you kept the law and you don't need anything from that officer. But what you actually need from that officer is you need mercy. So I learned a long time ago, never make an excuse, just be honest and look at the officer with those long eyes, hoping he's going to show you mercy. Now let me ask you, how many of you have ever been stopped and they gave you a warning and not a ticket? Raise your hand. Okay, that's called mercy. <laughs> Who needs mercy if you've done nothing wrong? But Jesus came into this world to save us from our sins because we have sinned. And so how does this salvation actually happen? How does it work? And I'd like to explain it in the most simple way. By explaining it the way the Bible speaks about two Adams. Have you ever heard of the first man, Adam? Paul says the first man, Adam, was the first living being. But the Bible speaks about a last Adam. And that last Adam is Jesus. And Paul says that he was the giver of eternal life. And when we look at the Bible, the Bible compares and contrasts the first Adam and the second Adam. The first Adam, the first man, was supernaturally created. He was made out of the dust of the earth, and he re represented all of creation as the first human being. You could almost say that he was the king of that which God had created. And by Adam's choice, he disobeyed God, and in so doing, he brought sin into the world, and from that came death. So we read in the scriptures, Romans 5, 12, Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. So death is passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, For as in Adam all die. The reason why we sin and the reason why we die is that when Adam sinned, his sin, number one, affected the entire human race, and number two, infected the entire human race. 
so that we are all born with Adam's nature. We are born with a sinful nature. And if you don't think that children are born sinful, sir, you've never worked in a church nursery with a long-winded preacher because you will walk away every time knowing that children are self-oriented. That's what sin is, self-orientation, living for and pleasing yourself. And that was the effect of the first Adam in which we live with every single day of our life. So what did Jesus come to do? He came to be the second Adam. He came to fix what the first Adam broke. He came to repair what the first Adam ruined. He came to clean up the mess that the first Adam made. Jesus is called the second Adam. And like the first Adam, he was supernaturally created, but his was distinctly different. Because he was a human being, he came from his mother, but he was divine because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So that when Jesus was born, the distinction that he had is that he was the head of a new race. He represented us. And he did it in two ways. Number one, he did it by his life. And number two, he did it by his death. By his life, he lived the life that you and I should live. He lived under the law, and he lived without sin. He was a perfect Adam. He did what the first Adam didn't do. But not only did he live the life we should have lived, but he died the death that we should have died. For Jesus, at the age of 33 years old, was crucified on a cross and the Bible says that he put away our sin by his sacrifice. And in doing that, he obeyed God because God requires a sacrifice for sin. And Jesus became that sacrifice. And so as the second Adam, he came to fix what the first Adam did. He did that, ladies and gentlemen, for you and I because we are all members of Adam's race and through Jesus we can become a part of, if I could say it this way, his race and through him we have eternal life. And listen to what Paul writes in 1 John 2 verse 1. We have an advocate with the Father. You know what an advocate is? It's somebody who is passionately on your side and they speak up for you. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. You see, when that little baby was born, it's truly mercy because God sent him into the world to deliver us from our sins so that we could have everlasting life. And how is it then that I gain eternal life? It's not by working my way or trying to live better or turning over a new leaf or following religious regulations or rituals. It is simply by believing in Christ. Think of it this way. If one man brought into the world sin, one man can bring into the world eternal life. And it is only through that one man you could be saved. It is by accepting him, embracing him, and believing on him. And the Apostle Paul tells us that obviously if God is with us and we become his children, 
then God is for us. And that promise, God with us, is not just at the moment that you're saved, but the moment you're connected to Jesus, that's for the rest of your life. From the womb to the tomb, from the cradle to the grave, and everything in between, Jesus is with us in the whole journey of our life. All of us here live different lives. But we all find in the life of Jesus points of likeness to our own. In other words, we identify with him. Why? Because he identified with us. Hebrews says that in all things he was made like us. Hebrews says that in all points he was tempted like us. So whatever you experience, whatever you go through, Jesus has already been there and he is with us in the process. God is with us in our sorrows. God is with us in our sufferings. God is with us in our disappointments. He is with us in our adversities. He is with us in our loneliness. He is with us when we triumph and he is with us when we are defeated. He is with us when we have friends and he is with us when we have betrayers because Jesus experienced all of that. And because he is with us, then there's no place that we can go that he hasn't already been. And he is with us all along the way. He became like us so that we might become like him. What a Savior. I wish that I could say more, for I feel like what I've said this morning is so inadequate to explain what happened when Jesus was born. But as we close this morning, I ask you, do you know Jesus? Do you have him in your life and heart? If not, then open up your heart to Christ. The Bible says that it's like he stands at the door of your heart and he's knocking and he's wanting to come into your life. What must you do? Open the door and say, come in. And then let me say to you as a believer, he's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. He is God with us. So get to know him better. Understand his heart and mind. Yield your life to him. Trust him completely because God is with us. Would you bow your head as we close our eyes and pray this morning? With our heads bowed and eyes closed, may I ask just some very simple questions. Number one, do you know Jesus is your Savior? Or let me put it this way. Do you know if you died today, you would go to heaven? You say, preacher, I do not know if I died today, I'd go to heaven. I don't know that. Then can I say to you this morning that right now in this place, Jesus can become your Savior personally if you open up the door of your heart and say, Jesus, I want you in my life. The Bible says if you come to him, he will never turn you away. God has never turned away anyone who came to him in faith. If you would come this morning and humbly acknowledge your sin, we call that repentance. And if you would by faith believe God's promise and receive Jesus into your life, the Bible says you will be saved. Sitting in your seat right now, you can literally ask Jesus to be your Savior. He is with us here in the church. He is with us here in the preaching of His Word. 
And the word is not far from you. It's in your heart. It's in your mouth. It's in your mind. You know the truth. Now believe the truth. Sitting right where you are, would you pray this prayer? Dear Jesus, please save me from my sins. Come into my heart and forgive me. Thank you, Jesus, for living and dying for me so that I could have eternal life. Now, with our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, before I pray a final prayer, I'd like to ask this. Is anyone here today, did you pray and ask Jesus to save you? If you did, I would like to just pray for you this morning. And would you acknowledge your prayer to him today for salvation? Would you just simply acknowledge that by lifting or slipping up your hand right where you're seated this morning? Preacher, I prayed this morning and asked Jesus to be my Savior. Would you just simply acknowledge that by lifting your hand and I'll know to pray for you today. Is there one like that? Preacher, I prayed and asked the Lord to be my Savior today. Anyone like that today? Now, Lord, we give you thanksgiving for the gift and your perfect gifts. Thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you that you were born in the virgin's womb and you were resurrected and were brought out of that empty tomb. And thank you it was done by the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Holy Spirit, do your powerful work in hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, would you stand with us again this morning? As I was listening to the sermon this morning, um, I began to be convicted that so often you may be a believer, but you hear this over and over again, and our hearts can grow cold, grow hard towards the gospel. That really, this morning, I hope we've all been reminded just how good a news it is. Maybe this morning you're not a believer and you heard this and um, you've understood that you need to come to Christ as your Savior. Either way, the best prayer to pray is, Lord, I lift my eyes to you. Let's all turn our eyes to Lord Jesus Christ today.
remain standing with me just as we close our service. Uh, my name is Ben, and I'm one of the pastors here. And if I want to invite you, if you don't know Christ, your personal Savior, if you want to talk more about what uh, Brother Steve was talking about this morning, we would be more than overjoyed to talk with you and share with you from God's Word how you can know Christ as your personal Savior. Well, in just a few moments, we are going to enjoy the Smoky Mountain con uh, concert from the Peta team. And there will be nursery and preschool available but if you have an elementary age child, uh, kindergarten and up, you can go and get them. And uh, they're going to sit with you during the service. I know they will enjoy hearing uh, the music that we're going to enjoy together. Now, uh, there's a couple issues I want to let you know about. First of all, and this really isn't an issue, it's a great thing, there's coffee and donuts in the back. And so um, I hope you enjoy those and fellowship. We actually don't get to fellowship too often as a church family because typically we're going in different directions or tearing down chairs. And so let's enjoy this time together for the next 20 minutes and fellowship one another, enjoy some coffee and donuts. But if you're a parent, go get your child before you enjoy those coffee and donuts. Now, there's about 530 people here this morning, and there's just a few restrooms uh, that are inside the building, but we have a restroom 
trailer outside of the building. So if you go right behind the coffee stand through the double doors, and you will see this beautiful trailer inside. It's, it's gorgeous. I mean, it is an awesome place. So you can use that uh, for a restroom, or we'll have a bit of a traffic jam um, uh, to use the restrooms that are in the hallway inside the building. Now, let me give you a few announcements about things that are happening uh, this evening. First of all, there's a junior high, senior high, youth activity, uh, bonfire at the bishop's home. Uh, you can reach out to Pastor Garrett or the bishops, and they will give info about that. That's from 6 o'clock to 8 o'clock tonight. And then there is a college Christmas party at PBC Maine from 6 to 8 o'clock and you can talk to Bert or any of those college staff, and they would love to make sure that you know all the details about that. And then next Sunday night, we're going to have a wonderful, sweet time as a church family over at PBC Maine. That's on the 17th, and that's going to be evening of worship together, scripture reading, and we're going to be participating and remembering why the Lord came by participating in communion. So I hope that you plan to be with us on the 17th at 6 p.m. Well, we are so grateful for how you faithfully and obediently give to the Lord, and thank you for giving. Um, and if you would like to give something special to the Petta team, you can do that in the back offering box or in the app, and we'll make sure that we get that to them and just a thank you for their ministry to us today. <clears throat> well, I'm going to pray and read our doxology together. The first verse is really a prayer for us. And then the second verse is a prayer that we would ask the Lord to make his name great among the earth. And once I read this, we'll be dismissed. Psalm 67, verse 1 and 2. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us, Selah, that your way, our God, may be known on earth, your saving power be known among all the nations. You are dismissed. See you in a few minutes in the concert.
strength to follow your commands could never
But doors of death could not contain your glory. 
Well, I hope you've had a great time fellowshipping, enjoyed the donuts and coffee. We're going to get started in just about three minutes, so feel free to begin finding your seat once again. Make sure you've got those kiddos, that uh, elementary age kids that should be now with us during the concert, and maybe the bathroom line has dwindled down just a little bit, and do that before the concert. We're going to get started in just about three minutes, and we'll see you uh, here uh, in our seats as the Pettit team will begin. Well, I, he had me turn it up.
announce him in the, uh, let me see, Luke Bomar. All right, we're so glad that you're here this morning, and it's already been a joy to be here today. I hope that you'll enjoy our time together. This is a concert. That means you can clap after a song. Please. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, we feel, we feel well accepted. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to kick it off with Come All You Faithful. Oh, 
Jesus, happy morning, Jesus, to thee be all glory again. Word of the Father, now in flesh Thank you very much. Well, we'd like to do a song that uh, is really what, what's happening at this season, and that is we are drawing closer to that very special day, which is Christmas Day. And Christmas is near as our next song. It's definitely going to be done in a bluegrass style. Well, I know, I know a lot of you in here. My name is Carson, for those of you that don't uh, know me, but I know a lot of you, and it's so funny to look and watch you try to figure out what's going on up here. 
with the bluegrass. So this next song we're going to do, we're going to bring it back from bluegrass, okay? This is a song. It's by Ben Rector. I don't know if you know who Ben Rector is. And he put this song <clears throat> on his Christmas album. <laughs> you guys look even more confused now. <laughs> put this song, he put this song on his Christmas album, and it didn't look like it quite fit because it's called a Thanksgiving song. So what we're going to do is we're going to back up time a little bit. We're going to go back a few weeks, and we're going to uh, hope to bring to mind a pleasant Thanksgiving to start out your holiday season. Here's the Thanksgiving song. turning brown, making my way back into my hometown. Funny how it all looks different, but it feels the same. Like how life never stops changing, but some things never change. So fill your plate and fill your drink, and fill this house with family, the kind of love that all these years can't wash away. Short and bittersweet, thank God for this Thanksgiving day. Watching football and watching families grow, the old kids' table all have kids of their own. Starting to see my grandfather in my nephew's eyes. Mom still can't talk about him and not almost cry. So fill your plate and fill your drink. And fill this house with family. The kind of love a thousand miles can't wash away. Cause the older that I get, I see the life is short and bittersweet. Thank God for this Thanksgiving day. your dishes in the kitchen sink and let the leftover year just wash away cause the older that I get I see the life is short and bittersweet thank God for this Thanksgiving day
Well, on that night when the little baby Jesus was born, of course, he was a baby. And of course, when you have a child, as a parent, you always think about what your future is going to be like. What's the child's future going to be like? What are they going to do with their life? Which direction are they going to go? But of course, Mary did not fully comprehend all that was going to take place in the life of her son. And so we'd like to sing a song about that entitled Sleep, Jesus Sleep.
I'd like to introduce our group that is with us here on the stage playing the banjo on my far left is Jack Ritter from the state of North Carolina and we're so delighted to have Jack here with us. Uh, Jack played small college football uh, before he came to be with us but he grew up playing the banjo all through his teen years. So delighted to have him. And then these two young ladies that are singing a uh, soprano first of all is Kirsten Curling who is from the state of Texas and Miss Brindley to Kelly who is from the state of Michigan. So glad to have both of them. I enjoy thoroughly enjoy listening to them sing. And then playing on the bass here is Mr. Luke Bomar from Greenville, South Carolina. So we're so glad to have Luke uh, playing with us. He's done a great job. And then I'd like to introduce Carson and Savannah. Carson Aaron, who is from the state of Arkansas and is a multi-instrumentalist. And then Miss Savannah Lacey, who is from the state of Idaho playing the fiddle. I introduced them together because three weeks ago they got engaged to be married. <laughs> And so, uh, you know, if you sit in the van long enough, it's either yes or no. So <laughs> it's kind of the way that it works. And then we are so thrilled to have, just playing with us in the Christmas shows here, Dr. Ken Renfro, who is a professor at Bob Jones University. And uh, we, we appreciate him being with us. We've had uh, not necessarily a grueling pace, but last night, uh, we were in Atlanta, Georgia for a show, and tonight we are in Columbia, and so we're letting him be one of the team members here for a few days, and so delighted to have him. Well, of course, you know that wise men followed a star, and they came to the place where the star was located, and there was the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'd like to do a true bluegrass tune called Beautiful Star. Stop! 
Thank you. Well, we'd like to do the uh, hymn, come Re not hymn, our Christmas song called Come Rest Ye Merry Gentlemen. And we're going to do it uh, instrumentally uh, this morning. And we're going to let the, uh, the folks here uh, uh, kind of cut loose on this next song. And uh, we got to get the banjo. The, the banjo um, is, is like people. It's very touchy. And uh, it has to constantly be tuned up. I used to think the greatest problem in the world was global warming, but it's actually tuning a banjo. Uh, but Jack does a wonderful job on that. And uh, come rest Mary Bell.
we'd like to do uh, uh, just a few songs here that are tunes that we're going to be doing on a recording in the first week of January in Nashville, Tennessee. And so we'd like to play those for you this morning. <clears throat> I think you'll thoroughly uh, be blessed by them. Uh, the first two songs uh, were written by uh, Carson, and so I'd like Carson to come and say a word about the song. Well, thank you. And I need to say this, too, because I think he deserves at least partial credit. These songs were written this summer while I was uh, renting a room living with Joe Simpson. Uh, so Joe heard all of these first. He heard the rough versions. I'd go in there. He'd be making breakfast. I'd be like, hey, Joe, Joe, listen. Uh, and so I would sit at the piano in there, and I would work on these songs. So this first one was one I woke up over there, and I just felt, I don't know if you guys ever feel like this, just feel the weight of your own sinfulness. It feels like your heart is at war with itself. And um, as many people do, I went to the Psalms. Psalm 8611 had this phrase in it. It says, unite my heart to fear your name. And with that in mind, this song kind of came out of that as a prayer, Lord, unite my heart. And as these lyrics began to flow together, the reality of my sinfulness, the reality of God's grace, I just became overwhelmed with God's goodness to me, that he would so kindly unite my heart over and over and over again. So maybe this morning you need to hear this song uh, as I often do. Here's Unite My Heart. to leave 
Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts This next song I don't think will be revolutionary for anybody because it's very, it's in one way very basic to the, to the Christian life, but in another way, it's very profound, as many things are. Because as you, you can't learn the truths of these songs unless you've been through it. And this song came out of, as this group began, to, as this group began um, we needed a way to well, we needed a way of transportation. We needed a vehicle. And we were praying for God to provide something. And this song was that prayer for God to provide. But I know that a lot of us need a lot more than transportation. We're dealing with health issues. We're family issues. So many other things. And we can pray and pray and pray for years. And it seems that God is an answer. But one day, you may realize, as you look back, that God was working the whole time. Even if he was just working in you, you learn that the waiting is good. So this song is called So Sweet. It's about the reality of trusting the Lord. Kirsten's going to sing this one.
once we know the sun will rise again we will trust in you when we cannot see we have learned that the waiting is good though the nations rage and the tempest roar it's so sweet just to trust you lord Jesus, Jesus, how I trust you, how I prove you are. And although the nations rage and the tempest roar, it's so sweet just to trust you, Lord. It's so sweet just to trust you. like to do one more song uh, off the recording and this is one that is an old hymn that has a powerful invitation to come to Jesus and as we play it I think you'll sense the tension uh, that a person makes in coming to the Lord you know believing on Jesus is quite simple what makes it complicated is a human heart and the way we resist and fight against God and then ultimately we surrender and I think you'll feel the peace of the surrender and the song, Come Ye Sinners. Oh, there are ten thousand charms. 
right. I looked down and I saw Ben, and Ben is sitting there because he's saying it's time to be done. And so uh, we're going to finish up. We're going to do two more songs. Is that all right, Ben? Yeah, you used to work for me. So two more songs, Ben. Uh, I don't want to have I don't want to have Ken Renfro here and not do Sleigh Ride, and then, uh, but we're going to do it bluegrass style. I want to uh, I want to finish on this song this morning. Although Carson's looking at me like he doesn't agree with me because he thinks we ought to do one more, but we'll do one more. This this last one. All right. I'm not gonna say no. Oh yeah, I know you're not. I know you're not. Uh, I I do. This is such a beautiful song, and Brindley sings it so wonderfully, and uh, it's just a powerful song as we think of of that that virgin mother giving birth to that baby, and what did she know was going to take place song is called Mary Did You Know.
As uh, Ben comes to dismiss the morning, thank you again for allowing us to be here. I have one other person I'd like to introduce this morning, and uh, this is um, a very uh, special day uh, for us to be together because my wife and I are not traveling as much as we used to, uh, and so I'm so glad to have my wife here today. Sweetheart, would you stand? My wife, Terry. And... Uh, And so we're so thankful. Thank you so much. And thank you, Pastor Sam. We love you. We'll pray for you. And we'll pray for God's blessing on Palmetto Baptist Church. And uh, the Lord uh, bless you and all that you do. Our group will be there at the table this morning after the service. Now, I think it would be stupid of me <laughs> to, for, for me to be the person to say, hey, we really should shut this down. So I talked to Carson. He's, he said you guys have one more. So could you do one more? Do you want to hear one more? All right. Uh, we just got to be out of here by 1 o'clock, and so if you all promise to uh, stack the chairs real fast, we can do one more song, and uh, I know uh, this has been awesome, and we'd love to hear one more. Ooh.
This is the song I'm most nervous about and was hoping we could not do, so. <laughs> While shepherds kept their watching yeah. or silent flocks by night. Amen. Behold, throughout the heavens, there's joy. Thank you. Thanks for doing it one more time. And let's give it up one more time for the Petter team. They were so good. Well, let me uh, give you a couple final words as you leave this morning. First of all, it is not cheap to travel. And so, especially when you have football players on your team. So consider, um, consider giving uh, in the app or in the back to the Petit team to help them on their way. And then if you would um, also, if this is your first time being with us today, we would love to invite you back. Please come back. And uh, we'd like to get to know you even better next time. Thank you for being with us. We're grateful that you were, very, that you were here. Uh, please introduce yourself at the welcome table or the one of the pastors, and uh, we'd love to say hello. Well, if you could help us tear down we do need to make, uh, make hay while the sun's shining. So uh, I feel like I just got my bluegrass on this morning. 
Um, we do need to hurry, so if you will help us uh, take down the chairs, get things set up. I know the Pettit team has to get out of here quickly as they move down to Columbia this evening for another concert. But uh, God bless you, and have a wonderful rest of your day.